Well, greetings again this morning in the Master's name. As Brother Mark already uh, alluded to or mentioned that uh, July the 4th and think about the Declaration of Independence. And so my mind went there also. The uh, second sentence of the Declaration, we may be more familiar with that than the first one, says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it goes on to say that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. I suppose a person could take a whole college course on just what all uh, was said and meant in the Declaration of Independence. And this morning we're not here to uh, necessarily do that kind of analysis. Uh, just looking at it on the surface, it may not mean exactly what, what, what comes through to us. When it says that all men are created equal, it's not talking about, or that we all have these rights, it's not talking about individuals so much as it was the colonists as a group. They were giving a uh, rationale or explaining, in other words, actually it says, you know, taking such a serious step as rebellion, there needs to be some explanation as to why. So they were trying to justify their their stand. And um, so it's an interesting document, but let's turn to um, Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42. Sermon on the Mount. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. Now, the Declaration of Independence talks about these unalienable rights or inalienable rights, which means impossible to take away or give up. And um, someone, I was, I was kind of, I forget what I, how I was uh, searching this out, but I ran across this statement by someone, I don't think it's Anabaptist, but he said, Matthew 5, 38-42 reveals a shocking truth. Christians have no rights. We do not have the right to retaliate. We do not have the right to things. We do not have the right to our own time. We do not have the right to money. We have no rights. Rather, all of our relationships and all, all of our possessions are held in trust from the Lord. And that's a little bit what I was thinking about, you know, rights. Does Christian have rights? Well, you know, as far as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, in the Beatitudes it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Does that sound like rights? Uh, so I was just looking up different passages along that line. And maybe just for the sake of time, I'll just turn to it myself. Hebrews 2, I mean not Hebrews, 1 Peter 2, uh, 21 to 23 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, 
who had committed himself to him that judges righteously. Hebrews 11, there at the end of the faith chapter, it says, Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stunned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Doesn't seem like they had many rights. Jesus said, I say unto you, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. Kind of an interesting statement. After that have no more they can do. As if that's not the end of all things. Do we have rights? Well, the... Uh, God's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3, J-E-R-3-3-3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So we have the right to call on God. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We have the right to come to God. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power, and that word power means authority there to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name so we have the right to be a child of God 1 John 1 3 truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ so we have the right to fellowship with God now am I right spiritually yes any other thoughts Some senses, it's a gift that God that God bestows on us, not so much that we own a right, but rather that He is in His mercy is offering something to us. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I came out. You know, I was thinking as I was thinking through this, and I was thinking about we have these rights. Well, they're not really. I mean, what right do we have to call on God? What right do we have to be a child of God? There, there, there are privileges or provisions that God has made for us. Think of them as rights in Christ. I don't know. It's semantics, partly, I guess. But when we think about things that Right. Yeah, it, it's a gift. I, I, that's that's the way I think about it. Well, I want to I want to think a little bit about uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, at our private session at conference, Brother Philip asked the question, um, "What is eternal life?" And I had an answer, and I didn't give it. Somebody else gave gave the one I would have given, and that wasn't what Philip was looking for. Now, he can't answer this question. What would you say? What is eternal life? He wanted a scriptural answer. My answer, in my mind, was eternal life is living forever with God. 
But what is the scriptural answer? And what's the verse? What? Okay, John 17, 3. I think, if, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So, that word know is a, is a strong word. Like, like you know, uh, in the Bible it talks about so-and-so knew his wife and she conceived. It's an intimate relationship with God. And so, do you know God? That's, that, that's what the Bible says is, is life, is eternal life. See, men, according to the Declaration of Independence, men have inalienable rights, among which is life. What is life? See, what is life? Eternal life, that should be the life we want, eternal life. And eternal life is to know God. And how well do you know God? What is your relationship with God? Do you have a deep, intimate relationship with God? Do you have a love relationship with God? In, in, so I was looking up verses with the word life in them. And... I'd never really done it like this before or really noticed this. And i um, show you what I ran across. Uh, mostly, life was translated with two words from the Greek. Uh, there were a couple others, but these were the main ones. And one was uh, Sukai. And the other one was so I. Sukai and so I. And Sukai is more of our earthly existence type of life. And so I is more the eternal life. And so looking up the verses, it was very interesting which one of these words were used in the verses that had the word life in them. And so uh, Matthew 6.25 Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for the body what ye shall put on. Take no thought for your life. And that is sukai. That's more of our earthly existence. Also in the Sermon on the Mount, because straight is the gate and there is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And that was zoai. Uh, <clears throat> Now this one, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life. That is Sukai. You understand? He couldn't give his eternal life. He gave his earthly life. His earthly, yeah, he died on the cross. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Well, that's so I. 
Anytime it talked about life eternal or life everlasting, it was always Zoe. Now, I want, uh, I want to turn to a number of verses, and we'll do this as fast as we can, but I want, I want you to turn to these verses. I want you to tell me which one of these words the life in that verse is in the Greek. Okay, Mark 3, verse 4. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Which one? Sukai. Right. Okay. Uh, Mark 8.35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it. Sukai. Su, su, yes, yeah, Okay. Okay. Uh, Luke 12, 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Which one? Okay, it, it happens to be the other one. <laughs> so I, uh, your life does not consist of the things you possess, and it's talking about your uh, your uh, eternal life. Okay, fourteen twenty six. Luke fourteen twenty six. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, Luke 18. 29 and 30. He's, he said to them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or children or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake. Uh, okay. Oh, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting? Well, life everlasting, of course, is Zoe. So, okay. Let's see. I might have a few more. Let me see here. We could go on and on, but let's go to John. Uh, I'll just read these real quick. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Okay. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Yeah. I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more yet. Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Yeah, right. Acts 20, verse 10. And Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. Yeah, okay. Well, just a couple more. If, 
If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Romans, I need to go in here. Romans 16, 3 and 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Yeah, yeah. Calls it, you know, his earthly, these his helpers. Okay, well, this one here, it's not hard. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's why. Okay, well, it was just... Uh, intriguing to me to go down through all these verses and see which word is used it's instructive it tells us a lot but anyway an inalienable right life like what is life see what is life liberty let's go to liberty here a little bit can you think of a verse in the Old Testament that also has a reference in the New Testament that has the word liberty in it? Yeah. Um, Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Liberty to the captives. And Jesus, when he went to, when he started his ministry, when he went to the synagogue, and they gave him the opportunity to read, that's what he read. There were quite a few words that were translated liberty. Um, so we won't go into that. Um, but that liberty, to set at liberty, to proclaim liberty to the captives, that is a certain kind of liberty. Another kind, and this is more the kind that I think is referred to in the Declaration of Independence, like when Paul finished his testimony before Agrippa, Agrippa said, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed into Caesar. He was a judicial liberty, in other words, liberty from the courts or whatever. Um, and it says, what Jesus said to proclaim liberty to the captives to the captives and I made me think about this verse in, in Timothy that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will one time in conversation with a Joe's witness fellow we were pretty good friends he worked on my Subaru and uh, 
he asked me, what is the worst, what would I say is the worst kind of pollution in the world? The Jehovah's Witnesses, they emphasize the new heaven and the new earth, you know, and things are bad on this earth, you know, look forward to a better one. Well, uh, I think there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, but anyway, he wanted to know what I thought was the worst pollution. You know, talking about pollution of different kinds and so on. And I said, uh, well, I think the worst pollution in the world is sin. And he, he agreed with me. Uh, and so sort of along that same line, what is the worst kind of captivity? Okay, captive to your... Hey, that's, that's an interesting answer. Uh, being captive to yourself. It says um, they were taken about the devil being taken captive by him at his will. And so when a person... Well, you have to think about that a little bit. When a person is serving self, he's captive. That's interesting. Yeah. And so when you're freed from yourself, you're no longer captive. So we're getting at the heart of liberty, what, what liberty really is. Um, and, well, let's just turn to Romans 7. If you want a description of a person who's captive, he says, That which I do, I allow not. For what I would that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Sounds to me like he is really captive to something because he wants to do different and he can't. Verse 23 and 24, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So it's a picture of captivity for sure. John 8, <clears throat> Jesus talked about freedom. Verses 31 to 36. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. That's captivity. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So what is liberty? What is freedom? What is being free indeed? It's being freed from the power of sin in your life. Am I at liberty? Are you at liberty? Are you free? Are you free from the power of sin in your life? Well, the Bible does talk about our liberty in Christ. 
This is a little different angle to it. But in Corinthians, it says, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So liberty, how do you want to say it? Liberty has its limits. I need to, I need to be careful how I exercise my liberty in Christ because if my, if my exercise of liberty makes it difficult for someone else, then I misused it. And Galatians 5 says the same thing. Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And there's, there's the freedom again. Liberty, freedom to serve others, freedom from self, freedom to serve others. As long as I'm tied up in myself, I'm not a very good servant to others. Well, then, the pursuit of happiness. Um, and there again, what the, what the framers meant by that. Thomas Jefferson, he wrote the Declaration of Independence just uh, in a couple days. But then there was a committee of five that edited it. And, uh, and then it went before the whole convention, and uh, that, that, that whole thing was an interesting process um, because the way he had written it got condensed down. It was amazing what they, what they did. They pared it down and really made it concise. But uh, what they meant by the, that every, the pursuit of the, a right to the pursuit of happiness was like, uh, and here again, we're, like I say, we're not analyzing the Declaration of Independence so much, but it was like that man should have the ability to choose things that would make for his well-being. Government should enable that. That was their idea. Um, but there again, see, what is happiness? How do you define happiness? And I was looking up some of that, and, you know, different sites talk about different things. You know, just how are you going to even define happiness? And, you know, what's the American definition of happiness? And but, but anyway, I think what, what, some, what some of the sites came out was that was, you know, man should be free to pursue whatever he thinks is happiness. Uh, well, I guess just to keep it real simple, I would say the Beatitudes are a pretty good definition of happiness. Blessed. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Fulfillment, finding fulfillment in life, that, that, that's a big piece of happiness, I would say, if not the whole thing. Um, in thinking about this, I was thinking, man's search for life, liberty, happiness, is illusory. It's sort it's sort of a mirage. Man thinks this this if he gets this he'll be happy. He gets there and it's it's gone somewhere else. Uh, man's pursuit of happiness and he he might have he might attain some sort of partial unfulfilled vision for a fleeting moment, but it's a long ways from. And, uh, and in depth happiness. 
And again, when they wrote that, they weren't thinking so much of individuals. You know, all men are created equal. See, you know what it says? Yeah, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution declared that any person who was not free would be counted as three-fifths of a free individual. It's kind of like all men are created equal, but some are more equal than others, you know. Um, but see, they weren't talking about the individual. They were talking about a group of people as a whole. But just thinking about man's approach, you know, the, the Declaration is, is championed. It, it was an interesting article. All men have the right to life. In the last 50 years, over 50 million babies have been murdered in this land. All men have the right to life. Liberty. Liberty. When the Declaration of Independence was signed, one-fifth of the population were slaves. We all have the right to the pursuit of happiness, according to the Declaration of Independence. Is this a nation of happiness? Of happy people? Or even how would you measure it? Well, what we've tried to do this morning is kind of think about man's ideas of some of these things, not so much man's idea, but contrast it with God, what God says. What, what is life? What is liberty? What is happiness? And I'll just summarize here in closing. John 17, 3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. That, these three verses, they say people can only remember three things at a time, so we boil it down to three verses, but that's the definition of life. Liberty is John eight thirty six. If the Son therefore shall make you free, he shall be free indeed. And happiness Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled.